the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today... You know, it's close to Christmas time when this episode is coming out, John. In fact, this actually is this dropping on Christmas Day? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, Tim. No, it is dropping uh, the <laughs> week before. <laughs> it's dro- it's dropping the week before because uh, we uh, will be releasing our top ten Christmas movies on Christmas Day is when it first drops out. Yeah, but it's still in that time. You know, it's the it's the it's the holiday spirit that has just gone up in me. And you know what I want for Christmas, John? What's that, Adam? An all Howie Mandel episode. I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you? Well, luckily, John, Howie has done a Christmas movie already, and that is Gremlins. He, uh, of course, voiced Gizmo, and we'll talk about that. And to tie in with some more Howie fun, we are going to talk Bobby's World, which is the show that he, of course, uh, created and uh, voiced for that one. So yeah, we are feeling the Howie Mandel for sure. Which um, I did see him in person once, uh, but that was only because I was a seat filler uh, where I was up front and kind of clapping uh, at Deal or No Deal. So oh, okay. I saw him. He was obviously hosted that show. But, right. uh, but yeah, anyway, we can talk more about that in a bit. Sure. But I know everybody out there is super excited and they have all been asking for this Howie Mandel episode. <laughs> so we're going to give it to him. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So Gremlins. Uh, also, we're going to recast Gremlins. Want to throw that out there yeah. using actors of today, which I think is really cool. I think this is a franchise that could actually get rebooted. I absolutely agree. I'm honestly yeah, shocked I, it hasn't. Yes, and I think it would work. Honestly, I mean, I think if it's done right, if they use my cast, <laughs> it would work well. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Gremlins uh, came out in 1984. John, what else happened that year? All right. So the movie was released on June 8th. 1984, which may seem weird for a Christmas movie, but actually when you go back and look at a lot of Christmas movies, yeah. a lot of them are released in the summer. You're right. Um, Die Hard. Even the original uh, Miracle on 34th Street was released like sometime in wow. like April or May or something like that. I feel like that doesn't happen in like the last decade, but you're right. In like the 80s and maybe 90s or whatnot, it's not, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Hmm. Uh, the uh, Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Let's Hear It For The Boy by Denise Williams. I love that song. <laughs> Let's hear it for the boy. Yeah. Footloose, right? Yep. Absolutely makes me think of that. Yep. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings is a show I've heard of but never seen, and that was Simon and Simon. Oh, yeah. Same with you. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it, and I've heard it's good. Two days before this movie came out, Alexei Pagetov... Paget, yeah, Paget, Paget I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher that name. <laughs> no matter how many times I keep trying to say it, uh, created Tetris for the Electronica 60 in the Soviet Union. So it hadn't quite released here, but I felt like that's a pretty significant game. Tetris was huge. I mean, even our dad loved oh, to play Tetris. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. So dad had this Game Boy, and it was like the old school Game Boy. He it had was forever. ours. He literally yes. stole ours. 
And he played Tetris all the time. And then he got good. I mean, it was going fast by the, like real fast by the end. I couldn't there I was not nearly as good as he was. Yeah. But which you know what was was impressive, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever saw him play any other game. No, it's just Tetris. But you know, you know, baby steps. Sometimes those um, dumb electric poker things that are right. on separate, you know, their yeah, own yeah, little yeah. things. That's about it. Yep. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called Full Circle by Danielle Steele. No surprise there. <laughs> no, no surprise. And my fun fact for 1984, the uh, Apple computer uh, company unveiled the Macintosh personal computer selling for $1,995 and sold almost 250000 in 1984. So that was the uh, the beginning of the end for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that was 1984. All right. Very interesting year. And let's uh, get ourselves into some gremlins. Gremlins 1984, directed by Joe Dante. Uh, We've talked about him before when we discussed The Explorers, Inner Space. He also did the sequel to this film, The Burbs, as well. Uh, the Gremlins was written by Chris Columbus. He also wrote the sequel. He wrote Goonies, or the screenplay for Goonies. He wrote Sherlock, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Um, and then he also directed some great movies. Uh, Home Alone 1, we talked about him on that one. And the sequel, Mrs. Doubtfire, he directed that. And the first two Harry Potter movies. Yep. Music by Jerry Goldsmith, and we talked about him multiple times, uh, similar with uh, Joe Dante in the Explore in Explorers and Inner Space, and also, of course, in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yep. Uh, cinematography by John Hora, um, and I wanted to call him out because uh, he also shot the sequel uh, and Explorers, so works with Joe Dante multiple times. Um, he, you would recognize him, John, because he actually had a part in Inner Space. He was that doctor at the beginning who injects Dennis Quaid into Martin Short. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd absolutely uh, recognize him. And as a cinematographer, he shot one of your favorite Michael Jackson music videos. Uh, black or White? Smooth Criminal. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I mean, it's one of your favorite songs. I can't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, music videos. So, um, all right. This movie was produced by Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy. And a couple others. I'm not going to go through the list of bajillion big movies that they've been a part of, but you should recognize those names. Let's talk our cast. Uh, Billy is played by Zach Galligan. Uh, he was in the sequel and lots of lots of small stuff, but mm-hmm. nothing else I recognized him from. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I couldn't pull him off of any other film. I just, I, I yeah. instantly recognize him from from this, and that's pretty much yes. It. That's about it. Uh, Kate is played by Phoebe Cates, and she was also in the sequel, Gremlins 2, but we know her probably best from Fast Times at Ridgemont's High, mm-hmm. uh, Drop Dead Fred as well, and the dream of every 80s boy. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Randall Peltzer, the dad, is played by Hoyt Axton. Uh, he was in uh, Black Stallion, and he had a lot of other small parts, mm-hmm. um, but besides that, he was a musician and a songwriter. Yeah. So he wrote and recorded the song Joy to the World. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said, but I helped him drink his wine. And I always had some mighty fine wine. Singing God. 
that uh, Three Dog Night covered and eventually took to, to number one. Oh, so, okay. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. That was his song. Uh, he also wrote The Pusher, which Steppenwolf, uh, their version, po- was popularized in the movie Easy Rider. That's a good one. Oh, okay. And then Ringo Starr recorded his song, No No Song, which went up to number three. So he's definitely a very accomplished musician and songwriter in his own right. Mm. Uh, the Grandfather is played by Key Luke. Uh, he does appear in the sequel on this one. He played Lee Chan in the Charlie Chan films, which were popular-ish in like the 50s, I think early 60s. Yep. Number one son. Number one son. That was the thing that he always said. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Um, he was the original Cato in the 1939 to 41 Green Hornet film uh, serials. Yeah. He was Brack in the 1960s Space Ghost, the original Space Ghost cartoons. <laughs> Uh, Master Poe in the TV show Kung Fu and the movie I think that they had. Um, and he was a founding member of the Screen Actors Guild. Wow. I mean, so I, it, I looked at the, I was looking at his credits and I'm like, it kept going back. Like something yeah. like over 230 uh, yep. film or, you know, film or TV credits to his name. And and he was still going in, uh, in 1984, which I, I forget when he passed away, but it was not terribly long after this. Mm-hmm. But already in his 90s. But yeah, like I, I was looking at his thing and it was like, he started in like early 30s. Yeah, he has a very impressive career that he had. Uh, Mr. Futterman is played by a Joe Dante favorite, Dick Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him in Explorers. He's also had parts in The Burbs, uh, as well as Terminator. <clears throat> kind of remember him from that as well. Uh, Mrs. Deagle was played by Polly Holiday, And she is by far, I'd say, most famous as Flo in uh, the show Alice. You know, she had that kiss my grits. That was her. <laughs> so, uh, and then let's talk some of the Mogwai Gizmo, as we mentioned before, voiced by Howie Mandel. He's a comedian. Uh, Bobby's World. He was in St. Elsewhere. America's Got Talent and Deal or No Deal uh, a little bit more recently. And then some other amazing voice talent mm-hmm. were used for, uh, for other Mogwai and Gremlins, including the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Welker is on the show. And he was specifically credited as Stripe yep. as well. I could, I recognized it too. Yeah. Like I, I was listening to it and I'm like, I, I hear, I couldn't pinpoint what the other voice was, but I'm like, I recognize that as being similar to another Frank Welker character. And I just couldn't yeah. pinpoint what the character was. Sure. Yeah. He's got, he does have a fairly distinctive, I don't know, like his low gruff voice, but it works so great. Cause we loved him. Uh, Cause we talked to him way back in Di- uh, D- Dino Riders. Because uh, he was the main villain in that one, and I love his voice in that yeah. one. So, uh, but yeah, Frank Vogler, million different things. I'm not going to list off all his credits. Uh, Mark Dodson was a voice of uh, some credited for some of the uh, Mogwai and Gremlins. And John, he doesn't have a bunch of credits, but I can guarantee you recognize his laugh, and you'd probably remember hearing it because he did the voice of Salacious Crumb in Return of the Jedi. Ah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely heard definitely. that laugh. Yep, uh, Michael Winslow uh, was also credited for some of the Mogwai and Gremlins, and he's awesome. Spaceballs and p- Police Academy movies. Yeah, love him. Peter Cullen is freaking credited. <laughs> That's goddamn Optimus Prime. <laughs> I can't believe that surprised me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to also mention Bob Bergen um, was also in that group, but he's done some voices on the movie Akira, which is beloved. He does a lot. He did a lot of Luke Skywalker in a l- many, many Star Wars video games. Oh. That guy does Luke's voice. Um, also has done 
Porky Pig in a lot of things. I mean, he's done a lot of Looney Tunes stuff because he appeared in both Space Jam movies as well. So, oh, wow. tons of stuff for him. Oh, I, I, okay, I do remember. Uh, what's what is his name? The guy who plays Bender. Uh, uh, uh John, John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. He put John DiMaggio put out a like a voiceover documentary several mm-hmm. years ago, and he's on it. Bob Bergen's on it, and okay. he was explaining how he does Porky Pig because there's like a there's a, a rhythm uh-huh. and a formula to it, and you got to be able to do it on the fly with the script. And he was explaining to do it, and at the end, he did the whole thing, and he goes, and that's why I have job security, because nobody can do that. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Bob Holt is another one I want to mention, because he did some voices. He did a voice in the Bedknobs and Broomsticks for way back in the day. He was the Lorax in the 1972 animated Lorax movie. He was in Charlotte's Web, and he voiced Grape Ape, uh, if you remember that kind of big... Yeah, Exactly. Um, and Fred Newman is another one I want to mention. All, all of these were Mogwai and, and yeah. Gremlins. Fred Newman is the voice of Skeeter and Porkchop on the show Doug. We mentioned him there. Oh. Uh, he's one of the weasels, the big dumb weasel in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ah. And he also voiced Harry in Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, nice. So there you go. All right. So those are the ones I want to mention. That's, Great voice actors. Yeah. A lot of really cool voice actors for, uh, I mean, granted, this was still very early on, but. Well, not for yeah, some. I mean, I mean for, Frank Welger had been around for at least over almost two decades at that point. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for for it's funny because most of the time they're either just laughing or making some other weird noises. They, they don't really talk, you know, other than right. like maybe there's some weird words that come out. But just to have that level of great voice acting in there is awesome. So. You know what? You know, I bet it, I'm. I wonder if like these guys just kind of like circle around some mics mm. and like watch the in ADR, just uh, watching, just sort uh-huh. of making up stuff. How fun would it have been to be in the room while these guys were just riffing all this yeah. stuff? That would have been great. Absolutely. Uh, so the budget of this movie was only $11 million. I know that only $11 million. That's $11 million. And it made uh, $153 million uh, from what I saw. So it made... Good. I mean, obviously, that is a big success and obviously warranted a uh, second movie mm-hmm. that came down the line. And where... Did we see Gremlins? Because this came out before I was born, so I didn't see it in the theater. I remember either on VHS it was a rental for us or TV we saw it first. I don't remember with who, when, what, where, why, how, whatever, but we saw this one when we were younger. Yeah, I I honestly think it was a VHS one, either recorded off of TV or I don't remember if we actually owned the VHS. I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember either. But, I mean, we... we we videotaped a lot of stuff off the TV. Um, yeah. And actually, our mother just did. She would just tape a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So uh, it, it had to be something like that. Um, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was probably mom who first mm-hmm. showed us showed us this. I, I can't yeah. imagine it was anyone else. I can't remember. But I do feel like it was, I mean, not in you know tons of rotation. But I mean, I remember seeing this probably a couple times when I was younger. Yeah, we definitely watched it a few times. I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure we gravitated towards the second one more when that one came out. I was going to say the same thing, because I kind of remember it being even sillier um, and maybe good for kids. But it's been a while, and I I am curious, man. I, I might want to like throw that on the list at some point, or yeah. we, we do a special uh, 
sequels or something because I do I, again I, I remember gravitating towards the second one because there are aspects I'm like oh yeah okay all right Mog, uh, uh, Gizmo's gonna put on the Rambo stuff oh wait shit that's the second one right oh, okay oh wait no the they're in the movie theater they're gonna do that fourth wall break movie th- oh shit that's the second one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's uh there's a whole bunch of different stripes gonna so. put on the lipstick oh no wait that's the yeah second one. exactly <laughs> that's the second one yes all right all right, well, let's uh, dive into our scene-by-scene scene breakdown. And we start off in Chinatown with Rand Peltzer, who is narrating, and um, he's trying to find a present for his kid. He gets led to some grandfather's store, which is full of unique things, and we find out Rand is like an inventor, and he shows them his bathroom buddy, and he kind of gets <laughs> squirted with his own toothpaste. Ha, ha, ha. It's for basic. It's like a Swiss Army bathroom tool or whatnot. That he's kind of. I had totally forgot about him being an inventor until yeah. that scene came out, and then it all flooded back to me, like all the little gadgets and stuff that we see later. Tons of silly gadgets. They all, none of them work. You can kind of tell that the family, you know, mm-hmm. they're not doing great because he's not, he does not, he's not necessarily a great inventor. Right. Um, but he keeps hearing this noise. And then he, you know, they take him. He finds this mogwai, um, which I guess the Chinese people know about mogwai, or at least the grandfather and the grandson uh, in that area um, and mentions it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, mogwai even sings a little song. What's he doing? Singing. He does that sometimes. And he wants to buy it for his son i mean that's a what a unique present this can be a yeah. pet for his son but the grandfather refuses to sell it and by the way mogwai in uh in cantonese means devil or gremlin <laughs> okay well, that i mean how perfect yep very fitting so uh so yeah the grandson who mentions that they needed the money uh kind of sneaks the, uh, the mogwai away and sells it to rand for two hundred dollars so uh, we then get a little narration from the kid that is talking about the different rules, which we know no bright light, sunwater, because so, sunlight can even kill it, no water, no feeding after midnight, which we got to just elephant in the room, John. <laughs> we got to discuss those other ones make sense to me. No water. Okay. No bright light. Sure. Feeding after midnight yep. is this the uh, storyline. That's a problem. This is a huge plot hole. <laughs> yes. So the concept of time <laughs> for a mogwai. Right. Why is midnight so important? Does do, do they follow daylight do they, do they follow exactly in which time zone they're in? Right. Um does daylight savings time matter to them? Like and why when, is, when does it reset? Yes. When is it okay to feed them? <laughs> That's a good call. If you feed them at 11:55 is that okay but they're still digesting once it hits midnight is that a problem? <laughs> like all this stuff. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just too loose with that rule. Mm. Uh, but all right. So um, then we get the song Christmas by Darlene Love playing as we open with our opening credits. All right. We uh, get some people around town or in like the town that um, everybody that the main story is going to take place in. Uh, we kind of meet Pete, who is Corey Feldman. Fuck a really even young Corey Feldman. Yeah. When he showed up later that we actually really see him, I was just like, God, you're a baby <laughs> yeah but so. i recognized him while he was still in the tree thing just from his voice because he has a very yes. distinct voice yep absolutely uh we meet billy you know and we just see like you know he's got a junker car kind of thing he's you know trying to help make ends meet because i don't think their family has a bunch of money probably because the dad can't invent anything that stays working mm-hmm. uh we meet his neighbor mr futterman 
Billy has to end up running to work at the savings and loan where he works. Um, he's got his dog with him and he lets his dog, you know, stay under him. He uh, stay under his desk. He works with Kate, who uh, wants to. She's really pushing to save this old tavern. That's a historical landmark. I think it kind of shows that. All right. This town. Maybe this town is having some financial issues or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those towns that's kind of falling apart. Yeah. And I just got to say. Phoebe Kate. She is just the girl next door. Yeah. most Adorable thing ever. She she's got she's got that look. Yeah. That look where it's like you're you're just you can't keep your eyes off her and it's just she's like adorable is the only real way you can kind of Yeah. You know, I mean she's yes, she's absolutely beautiful and gorgeous, but the first word that comes to your head is adorable. Exactly. She's yeah, exactly. Adorable, she's cute. I mean, she is just exactly it's that kind of beauty where it's like, "Oh, wow. It's not like the awestruck you know, like model, right. but it's the I want to marry that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Anyway, we see, also see some kind of romantic tension between uh, Billy and Kate that, of course, will continue throughout it. Uh, we see, we meet Mrs. Deagle, who is, man, she is just like this uppity, I guess, rich. She owns a lot of stuff in town. People, you know, I guess she owns a lot of realty in town or stuff like that. She's a Scrooge like character, too, where she, you know, has no Christmas spirit. Um, apparently we find out, I do wish we would have seen the dog ruin her snowman. Right. Cause that dog looked very well trained. Yes. The entire movie. And then we're just supposed to believe that she comes in with this big, like ceramic or whatever, um, a snowman that apparently it, it broke apart. Well, it was well trained until she starts bitching about it. And then the dog jumps up over the counter and starts <laughs> breaking the head. And she immediately is like. She wants to kill the fucking dog. <laughs> you know, she said some things that I think if someone said that today, the dog moms in the world would like turn on her and probably, mm-hmm. you know, beat her to death. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she wanted to euthanize it like right away. Um, but uh, then we also meet get the boss, of course, because she caused all a ruckus and disturbed Mrs. Deagle, who's this very important rich client. So the boss and we see a yuppie kind of sidekick with him gerald played by judge reinhold yeah um and they're just kind of looking down on billy for all his stuff who he doesn't get fired but he does get scolded and we go to the bar and gerald is there and he kind of talks to billy a little more gerald could have been cut like yeah i wonder if because this was after um Mm -hmm. uh fast times fast times right yeah fast Fast times was 82 i think yeah so I wonder if this was just something where they needed someone and, and maybe Phoebe Cates was like, hey, you know, Judge Reinhold's not doing anything right now. Um, and this was um, before uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. I just can't remember exactly when Beverly Hills Cop was, but that sounds like maybe like 87, 88 time, yeah. maybe. But I mean, it feels like when you have Judge Reinhold in this role. Right. And they have this kind of set up here. And then he, do you, I don't remember, do we see, what? how does he interact with the gremlins? I don't remember seeing that. And maybe that was something that was cut. Maybe. But, but then, I feel like. But then again, yeah. like, why, why have, you know, why not cut more of him at that point? Like, maybe they just couldn't. Who knows? Yeah, because the next the scene is at the bar sets up that Kate is also working at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of stuff. 
but yeah, he, I think there had to be more because they were him talking about like, you know, oh, I'm the new junior vice president and all this other kind of stuff, like setting up that, you know, they used to be friends because he because Billy even calls him like this name is like it's Gerald, um, you know, like they like he used to go by like, you know, this more fun younger name but now he's a professional yuppie mm-hmm. kind of dude i think there there had to be some that just got left on the cutting room floor, yeah like his whole storyline so yeah all right so uh, oh as um that they're kind of talking at one point the bar owner walks by kate and briefly says oh the table whatever is on the house that bar owner is chuck jones who uh, uh is a cartoonist an- anime animator right yes uh he created wiley coyote yep Roadrunner, Pepe Le Pew, Marvin the Martian, many more. He also cameoed, cameoed in Inner Space. He was in like the line at the grocery store. Um, so he, either he's friends with Joe Dante or something right. as well. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, that's, that's uh, cool. Cool friends to have. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, at home, uh, we see some. I think it's it's a Wonderful Life on TV, uh, and a lot of cuts to kind of like some classic movies that kind of tie in. To right. what's going to be happening in the movie? So, Adam, uh, quick thought thoughts on uh, on uh, it's a wonderful life. I am going to save my thoughts for our top ten Christmas movies. Fair enough. Okay. And so people need to listen into that episode, which will just be the next week after this one, right? <laughs> uh, to get my thoughts on it's a wonderful life. Okay. Does it make my list? Maybe. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we meet his mother. His mother, played by Frances Lee McCain. Uh, she has been in so had some parts in like Footloose, uh, Back to the Future, Stand by Me, many things. None of them huge parts, but because um, I remember her most from this personally, hmm. but she's been in quite a bit. Yeah. And we see some more of the inventions by the father that they just don't work very well. And we can kind of assume some financial issues for the family. Um, there's even actually there. You know what? Another pot point that they didn't really dive back into. The mother at one point was about to tell Billy something right here. And it's like, oh, because the dad then comes in. He's like, we'll talk about it later. We never talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But I'm almost certain it's financial issues. Right. So. Dad comes in, he gives the gift uh, to Billy, and uh, we get a little jump scare as he opens the box and gives him a kind of pops up, then goes back down. Just a quick little thing. <laughs> we have a couple of those in the movie. Um, and then we see the Mogwai eventually kind of slowly lift up, and boy, is that a cute little fucking puppet. Yep. And absolutely yeah. was the inspiration for the Furby later. Oh, you can tell, man. Yeah. It just, I mean, they stole it almost completely. Yeah. I wonder if they had to pay royalties for it. Um, but probably just different enough. Yeah. But, yeah. And nowadays, I mean, nowadays, they would just put that, make a plush toy out of that and sell it like bonkers. Right. You know, like like a baby Yoda or a Porg or, you know, like those kind of things. But in the 80s, well, I guess they didn't, They just didn't capitalize uh, enough on Gizmo's cuteness. Yeah. So I wonder, because I, I just, I realized when, when we first saw baby Yoda, I was like, he just looks like a hairless Mogwai. He kind of does. Yeah. But. But Yoda came first, so was the Mogwai like a, a hairy Yoda? But Maybe. Yoda was older. Yeah. So I, who knows? Yeah. Fair enough. I like that. And they call, uh, Rand mentions that he calls him Gizmo, so that will be his name. The mom takes a little quick Polaroid, but it's got a flash on it, and we get that bright light, bright light. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he doesn't like the light, so the dad then goes over the rules again. No light, no water, no feeding after midnight. Uh, that evening, Billy and Gizmo are kind of playing keyboard while he sings, uh, and he shows at one point in a mirror, which again freaks out because the light falls into the trash and Billy has to bandage, bandage him up and that kind of stuff there. You know, they're just kind of bonding a little bit right here. Uh, in the morning, Billy tries his dad's orange juice machine, which 
fails completely. <laughs> Pete comes in and delivers his Christmas tree. And here's where I saw how just baby faced. Yeah. Kind of little baby faced uh, Corey Feldman. So uh, Gizmo watches some old movies. This one was particularly about like, I think, a car racing thing, which will come back to the end. They even drop in the audio, which bothered me. I didn't need it. <laughs> um, but that's just my own. I was like, I already, I already understood that this was a reference to the movie that he saw. I don't need you to drop in the audio from that movie right. while Gizmo's driving around. I, I get it, <laughs> but it's okay. Pete uh, chats with Billy and meets a Gizmo. Uh, Pete accidentally, or was it maybe? Yeah, Pete accidentally spills some paint water onto Gizmo, which Gizmo goes nuts and his back starts bubbling and boiling. And I love the. Lo- I mean, whoever created that look, I think it looks really creepy. Yeah, kind of. Cool. I think it's a. I think I read it's like a lot of little balloons underneath a uh, cloth, and that they just they're constantly blowing air in and out of it to make uh-huh. the bubble pop up like that. Nice, makes sense. Uh, then out pops some little furry balls. They're new mogwais. Reproduction through water contact. How <laughs> interesting and. Which, seems which also made me question because he goes, all right, so they they don't don't ever get water. So I'm like, well, it's life. Life needs water. Okay, <laughs> well, it's water is also going to be in some of the food you give it. Does that not count? Does it not count if it's yeah. ingested? Does it have to just be uh, skin contact? That it brings up more questions. It does because we also established that these mogwai have blood because Doctor Hansen in a bit is going to take a blood sample and blood is like seventy plus percent water right i mean it's probably like 80 percent water so any creature with blood needs water <laughs> hell any creatures without blood needs fucking water right. yeah because it's it's not it's not established that this is an alien creature right um it's some kind of earthbound creature but all right all right whatever you just feed it i guess diet coke and that's good enough like yeah what is the what level right. does it stop being water enough to fuck with them <laughs> so all right, um, so out pop these other Mogwais. One of them even has a stripe on its head, uh, which gets called out. Um, but they're a little bit different. You can immediately tell they're different, and they're a bit meaner. <laughs> Billy talks to his dad, um, who, again, ha ha ha, gets squirted by the bathroom buddy, uh, things like that. He's just further, it's kind of, it's comical. All of his invention stuff is very comical, and they're all failures. Um, and he tells him about, you know, the, the new Mogwai and, and all this stuff that happens. And so the dad thinks to himself, man, I could capitalize off this. They could be pets across America. Uh, and then when, when they said that, then is when I thought, oh, yeah, Furbies did do that, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's exactly what that is. Uh, that night, Barney, which is Billy's dog, is strung up by Christmas lights, uh, which we could tell from one of, like, the devilish-looking mogwais that they did it. Yep. Um, so they're they're definitely bad. Little bad mogwai. <laughs> But the Billy thinks it's Mrs. Deagle because of her previous threat th- to the dog. So I did like that setup, um, you know, where they think, okay, they're not assuming that it's the uh, Mogwai yet. Billy, uh, Pete sees Billy with one of the Mogwai as, uh, sorry, Billy takes one of the Mogwai to uh, the science teacher at the school to look it over. And that science teacher, Dr. Uh, Mr. Hansen, is played by Glenn Turman. And we just discussed him uh, in our last uh, show breakdown, which was Different World. He was the, oh, um, the kind of the, the general the general. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That guy married to Aretha Franklin for a bit, that actor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's kind of good to see him again. Uh, Billy shows him the whole water stuff, uh, gives him a drop and one new one pops out. So Mr. Hansen keeps that one and wants to run some tests on it at the bar. Uh, Kate sends uh, a drunk Mr. Futter- Fetterman back home uh, about to drive, but 
ends up, you know, driving his tractor instead. He just walks back and he mentions these all these damn, you know, foreigners. They're planting gremlins in our American machines. It's ruining stuff. He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist kind of guy. This I I thought was a bit kind of strange because they bring this back at the very end of the movie. This whole idea of like, oh, if you're, you know, in your machines or things are going bad, they might have gremlins in them. I don't know if this was like a maybe a, you know, little story told to the kids back in that day or something because um, I hadn't heard that. I, I've, he- I've heard something like that. I literally think it was just like a silly thing that pilots said mm. to, to you know, about if something went wrong. I was like, oh, it's gremlins, you know, causing hmm. havoc because I've definitely heard something like that before. Okay. So okay. I think I... I think it was. I don't think it was like a kids thing. I think it was just like a just kind of like a silly explanation for gotcha. why things were going wrong. Billy walks Kate to her place, and we find out that she's just a little bit pessimistic right now, and she doesn't celebrate Christmas. Uh, but we don't really know why just yet. They end up chatting, and Billy eventually asks her on a date, and she accepts. So yay! A little bit nice little cute romantic storyline between them. Uh, Hanson. Now this scene. I all whatever it was, man. Once the second doctor or doc, he's not a doctor. He's a science teacher. I don't think he's a doctor. Right. Once Hanson goes to that one Mogwai to like take some blood. I whatever it was. This scene always didn't say freaked me out as a kid, but it's just I always thought that he looks like he like he's the evil one. Yeah, it's disturbing. It's yeah, because he. I mean, he 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 sticks the needle in like the hand. Uh, or the arm of that one Mogwai, but he's almost got like a a creepy smile when he's doing it. Like he, you know, and I could see that being a plot point of like, oh, I'm going to understand what they are and I'm going to breed an army of these things. But like, yeah, he's just a science teacher. But the the lighting is weird and and everything, everything made it seem like it was sinister. Yeah, I agree. Also, why the hell would you go to a high school science teacher? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess, I guess in that town, he's the smartest man they know. I guess. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't, John, I don't even think it was high school. I think it was elementary, because Pete oh, goes right. to that school. <laughs> well, I don't think Pete was elementary, but uh, Pete uh, might maybe. have been like junior high school. Maybe, sure. Junior high school at sure, best, sure, sure. I think. So, uh, at home, there's some more foreshadowing on the TV from movies that we see, um, and the Mogwai are jumping around all hungry, all crazy, uh, and it's not midnight right now, because uh, Billy checks the clock, uh, so then he goes to get them some chicken. And man, the tight shots of these things eating chicken is another disturbing thing. Yeah. I definitely remember that. Like, it just, I didn't know if they used stop motion or something, but there was enough difference in the way that it was shot that it was just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. But it was, it was done in a good way to be, to be creepy. So, uh, then we see the one in the lab is able to steal a sandwich that Hanson left behind. Uh, and the clock there shows it's 220. Uh, we cut back to Billy's room, and the clock hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. What? Ooh. So, in the morning, the Mogwai that had eaten are now in some weird pod-like state, a little kind of cocoon-looking that very much look like the aliens, uh, an alien pod, if you will. Right. Not as big, but similar. And Billy realizes that the clock was cut, uh, so we can assume that the Mogwai did that. So, uh, Hanson is excited a, about this state, this cocoon state as a, all this kind of stuff. Sorry, this brings up another science. question. Uh-huh. Did the Mogwai know what would happen to them if they ate after midnight? Is that is that what their goal was? You have to assume. But like, why, why else would they cut that? Right, but then also, why was that never Gizmo's motivation? 
It yeah. seems like he was content to just be little the little, you know, cute furball. Yeah. Why why does he have not does not have this evolutionary desire to grow into a gremlin where right. all the other ones are evil, um, if you will, or at least a chaotic evil, let's call right. him that <laughs> on the spectrum. Yeah. Or on the scale. But you're right, maybe Gizmo is the weird one, because all the other ones are the right. same. But yeah. Yeah, so interesting. And you would think the evolutionist in me would assume that any creature wants to continue its evolutionary state, and so right. like that would be its purpose. But but Gizmo doesn't want to for some reason. Okay. I guess so. He must clearly know what happens, and he's yeah. He's decided that he doesn't want that for him. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, the 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 weird thing is that yes, they have some inherent knowledge of what is going to have to happen to them. And yes, we can tell that they're smart creatures, but mm-hmm. none of them had seen that before because we had seen every single one of these pop out of Gizmo and then the other one that popped out of one of the other ones. Yeah, and so how they just they just inherently know what's going to happen to them. So I, def- I definitely feel like it was a motivated, we're cutting this for this to happen. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the dad calls from a inventors convention and we get some really good cameos here so we get one person who's riding by in like this motorized thing like a motorized Mm -hmm. it says wheelchair in the thing but i guess he does i did see he has a foot cast at one point right and that is producer and director extraordinaire steven spielberg Mm mm-hmm uh, Jerry Goldsmith is in the phone booth at one point. I can't, I couldn't tell which one he was. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't either. Yeah. The time machine from the old show, the time machine is in the background in this shot. I know. I, oh, I Dude, that was like, I love that. And then, uh, Robbie, the robot from forbidden planet and also tons of other things. If Robbie is like one of the biggest, like robot cameo persons of, you know, characters or whatever of all time. Right. Um, he walks by, they actually have him come back later, but when they cut back, Robbie's closer. The time machine is gone with just some smoke right. like, behind it. So it, it must have worked. Uh, I thought that was really fun. I so. didn't actually catch that, but my my wife did. Because when mm. he cut back, she goes, oh, my God, it's gone. And mm. I go, what's gone? And she goes, the time machine was back there. And I'm like, oh, I wanted to yeah. go back. But at that point, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going forward. Yeah. No, that was that was really fun. I like that. Um, at the bank, Mrs. Deagle is there, and she's a bitch. That's uh, <laughs> basically it. Um, meanwhile, the gremlin in the lab cracks open, as do the others. Uh, Hanson uh, lets uh, Billy know that it hatched, and you know he's trying to give it a candy bar. He's trying to figure out what what it has evolved into, and because we still haven't seen it, so he tries to feed it kind of under the table, and it starts eating his hand at this point. Like, oh crap! So Billy eventually gets there, and we see that the gremlin has killed Hanson um, with. It had a, I did notice also, it had a uh, syringe and needle stuck in his ass. Yep. And so you can tell that gremlin remembered that it stuck him, or that he, mm-hmm. that Henson stuck the, you know, the mogwai, and so he's like, I'm going to fucking stab you back. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. We do see some hands, so there's a little chase, kind of little thing, as Billy's trying to find this thing. We see some hands here and there. Um, we don't really get a good look of it, because it escapes down a vent. Billy... Uh, goes to get bandaged because he got scratched uh, at one point, and he goes to the nurse's area to get uh, bandaged up. And here we kind of get a quick little look at it uh, as it scares him there, and then escapes again. Uh, we cut to at home, and the other gremlins are wreaking havoc, and wreaking havoc is exactly what they do. They're playing darts at Gizmo. The mom hears all the noise and grabs a couple knives to investigate. 
Billy calls to Warner, but the line gets cut uh, at the school, so he can't get to her, call her in time. Or at the house, the line mm-hmm. gets cut, I think it is. Yeah. We get the, then the mom, you know, there's no noise, and then all of a sudden the song, Do You Hear What I Hear by Johnny Mathis plays. Yes, Billy, are you okay? Where are you? On the hatch. Get out of the house. Mom? Mom? Billy, where are you? And it's on the record player, and so she's kind of freaking her out. What's going on? That I f- I find that to be an effectively creepy song to play in this scene. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It was a really good choice. Um, so she goes around the house trying to find them, and we get a real good look at them in the kitchen for the first mm-hmm. time, like a really good look. Yeah. Um, and the mom <laughs> kill. She's a badass from the I start. Was- <laughs> We were, I was going to point that out. Like, she kills three of them pretty quickly. Yep. And just first, <laughs> first just first try, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. She, she knifes one of them. She gets one of them in the blender or in yep. the juicer. Yeah. And then I'm trying to remember what the other one was. What she did Shoves to the other one. Microwave. Oh, yeah. In the microwave, which <laughs> is a very memorable scene. Yes. So, yeah, she does that. She hears more around the house. She ends up kind of getting attacked by them that are in the Christmas tree at one point. Um, and we see Stripe and, you know, his look. Billy comes in and kills one of them with a sword from the wall. Uh, and Stripe does escape. So Stripe is like the, I guess, the last one at this point. He uh, When he kills the one with a sword, like he de- he decapitates him and the head flies into the uh-huh. into, to the, the fire. fire. This, the the shot of, of the head on fire in the fireplace, I was like, Honestly, that's kind of cool. I wish I had like a, I wish I had like a fireplace stone shaped like uh, a gremlin head gremlin. that I could put in, I could yeah. put in there and just have it. That would be, yeah, it'd be a very cool little Easter egg at like your house. Anybody who actually caught that and be like, oh, I get that scene. That'd be yep. really cool. So, uh, Billy and his mother go to the doctor's house to try and get her uh, bandaged up and helped. Billy returns home, finds Gizmo in the laundry chute, and they head to go try to track down Stripe, and they get to him at the YMCA. Uh, which, you know, he ends up kind of attacking them and then jumps into the wise pool. Oh, shit. Reproduction like crazy. (laughs) So uh, Billy then has to go to the cops. But, of course, they don't believe him. Uh, Like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of these little, you know, evil little monsters. Huh? Yeah, right. Uh, I did recognize the deputy very quickly. And that deputy is uh, played by Jonathan Banks. Uh, who I know as Mike from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul franchises. So he's awesome. Um, Stripe and now an army of gremlins begin to go through the town. Uh, We also meet Mrs. Futterman, who is played by Jackie Joseph. Uh, I wanted to call her out. She was on the Doris Day show, but she was actually the uh, first original Audrey in the original 1960 Little Shop of Horrors. So not the Rick Rick Moranis thing, but the original one from 1960. I don't think it was a musical even. Okay. Um, they think, I think they took it was a it was like a a B movie horror, and I think I, they took that and then turned that into the musical. Okay. So, uh, Futterman checks his antenna, which of course the uh, Gremlins had been fucking around with. They also drive the tractor into the house and fuck them and allegedly kill them. Yeah. Yet the characters return in the second movie. Both of the characters, the both, both Mr. And Mrs. Futterman are credited in the second movie. Well, then I guess we uh, can assume that they actually escaped. 
Yeah, I guess so. We, we don't. Even we though, don't actually see them. Kill you're them. right. We don't see them killed. We get there is a call to the sheriff, and the sheriff's like, "What? Uh, oh, a freak accident with a tractor." Like you assume that means the freak accident has killed them, right? Um, because this is the whole tie into the oh, there's gremlins causing these freak accidents, you know, right. in machinery and stuff. Uh, but but yeah, you're right. We don't see them die, so there's there's opportunity to bring them back. I do like the uh, the music that plays here. It's yeah. kind of like the theme that yes. found the theme to be quite fun actually it's simple very simple yeah. but but it yeah right it does kind of get stuck in the in the head a little almost earwormy yeah uh so the gremlins are wreaking havoc across town and mrs deagles the gremlins do a christmas i mean the, uh, the comedy is really going big once the gremlins are going around they right. do a christmas carol <laughs> they're singing to them <laughs> to freak her out and then they end up killing her by messing with her little like r- r- uh, electronic stair chair kind of thing right um, and it makes her fly out the window. I remember I this like, scene yeah. made me laugh when I was a kid, and uh-huh. it still made me laugh. It's, it's ridiculous, you know. But part of me was like, "Damn it, our grandmother uses one of those. I hope yes. it doesn't go bad and make her fly out the window." Well, I know that won't because because if I know how hers is set up, it couldn't do yeah. that. But well, yeah, it'll just fly her into the wall, right? <laughs> but that one was just funny. Also, you don't feel bad for her because she was a bad person the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. She she wanted the dog to die. So yep. You know she's dead. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So and I'm I'm referring to Miss Deagle, not our grandmother. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> we love our grandmother. Yes. Love her. <laughs> um. The gremlins also attack Santa. I thought that was funny as hell. Spielberg tried to cut that scene. Really? He thought it was too much, and the the execs thought it was too much too. Um. But Joe Dante really wanted it, and so uh, Spielberg defaulted to Dante, saying, "All right, th- okay. this is your vision." So even though I don't like it, I'm gonna let it go. So Spielberg kind of took his side on it. Interesting. I, I like it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's funny. They. Yeah, I do too. They thought. I think they thought it was too much because apparently there was there were stuff in the script where like the Gremlins were supposed to go to McDonald's and kill everyone in the McDonald's <laughs> and like it was. I think it was originally a lot darker, more mm-hmm. like a horror film. And yeah. I think the execs wanted to turn it a little bit more family friendly. So it's gotcha. still horror, but kind of yeah. family comedy horror. Sure, sure. Um, now, the thing that bothered me the most was not Santa getting mauled by these gremlins. It was these cops seeing Santa getting mauled, <laughs> and they just drive off. Yeah. They, they leave him to fucking die. Like, one, I'm like, you're cops. You have guns. Protect Shoot and serve my yeah, ass. <laughs> exactly. Like, holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, that <laughs> that was pretty sad. And uh, we also hear at one point on the radio, a radio host getting attacked by the gremlins as well. Uh, it's all kind of funny. So uh, the dad is at a gas station at some point because he's making his way back home. Did you recognize the gas I station attendant? Absolutely did. Yeah. Absolutely. We've talked about him twice now. Yes, we did, because he also cameoed in inner space. So he must also be oh, friends with so Joe that's Dante. Three, that's three times. Oh, well, you're right. That's three times because it's now this one, uh, inner space, and uh, Billy Jack is where we, where and we first airplane. Oh, he was, oh, you're right. And of course, Airplane. Shit. So, yeah. So now this is technically four full movies with Kenneth Toby. Yep. Um, who is, he played uh, kind of the asshole deputy in Billy Jack. And that's, so. that to me, that's what I think of him as. Because that's what I remember him most from. Even though, even though I would say Airplane was a much bigger movie. 
Yes. Um, I always think of him as that because like every time I see him, I'm like, oh, is he playing an asshole in this one? And so far, not really. He hasn't played an asshole in any of the other ones. He was he was yeah. funny. He kind of played the straight man in, in Airplane, so I wouldn't say mm-hmm. his was funny, but sure. still. So, but yeah, like I still his performance in uh, in Billy Jack is always what I go back to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then the Gremlins are at the bar, like a whole bunch of them there getting drunk. Kate is forced to, forced to serve them. Um, things like that. It's madness. It's just, it's silly madness. You get ridiculous, you know, there's a flash dance parody at one point. <laughs> there's weird stuff, but uh, eventually Kate uh, finds a Polaroid camera and can escape by doing flashes, even though a gun, one of the finds a gun and starts shooting her or at her uh, but then Billy helps her escape and gets it gets his car and gets it even though how did he get his car running I don't know mm. um, because last we saw it it wasn't working but whatever that's inconsequential yep but he gets her out of there um, here we f- then find as they're kind of like off to safety for this moment some backstory on Kate why she hates Christmas her dad died over Christmas what happened it was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird and instead they pulled out my father he was dressed in a Santa Claus suit he'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve his arms loaded with presents he was gonna surprise us he slipped and broke his neck died instantly And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. And I laughed at this this time. <laughs> I thought this was wonderful black comedy. <laughs> it seemed like a weird place to have this moment. Yeah. But it's, it's such a kind of, you know, funny story. You kind of mm-hmm. just allow it. Exactly. It, it, it's, I thought it was very good in dark, dark humor. So I, I, I was happy with it. All right. Um, Billy and Kate walk around town. For some reason, the gremlins aren't there. They're not around anymore. They're, like, they're not out in the streets. Uh, so they check the movie theater. That's where they are. They wanted to go someplace dark. Well, it's dark in a movie theater. Even though they're watching a movie, that's a fuck ton of light. Yeah. Um, way more light than they they had complained about a lot less earlier. Right. But whatever. Uh, they're watching Snow White and really enjoying it. So Billy and Kate go to the boiler room. They're going to have to figure out something, uh, how to how to you know stop them. Stripe though sniffs around. He wants uh, he he wants some candy still. So he goes across the street. 
Milk does. <laughs> goes to the candy store. Um, Billy is able to like, you know, open up the the gas line or whatnot in there, and then he ends up lighting something, and he's able to blow up the entire fucking uh, <laughs> movie theater uh, with all of those gremlins in it. So, you know, uh, I, apparently they teach you a lot when you when you become a banker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those bank tellers, man, don't fuck with them. Yeah. You know, they're ba- they're all basically like John Wicks. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. But Stripe is still alive, of course, because he went to the candy store and they eventually have to track him down. Uh, they get to a, They track him down at a department store and there's some battle bits there. You know, one point Stripe is shooting at Billy with a little crossbow thing, um, almost kills him with a chainsaw. But Kate saves him um, by turning on some lights there. And, um, you know, who then he sees a fountain and. He's heading towards water. He gets himself a gun, too, and shooting at Billy uh, gets himself eventually wet in the fountain to do some more reproduction. He's trying to reproduce some more. Uh, Meanwhile, Gizmo is driving his little mini car that he found across around um, and he opens up the shades to help burn Stripe with actual sunlight. Uh, So it actually burns him, which here's when, you know, that was that callback to the racing movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, a little heavy handed with the actual audio part added. And the sunlight actually kills him, you know, direct sunlight straight to the to uh, Stripe, which kills him. We do get one last little jump scare of him jumping out of the uh, basically all skeletal. Right. Which makes no sense. No sense. He had no muscle to move his skeleton. (laughs) But whatever. And uh, he ends up kind of fully melting. Um, and so they are they are officially dead. Uh, the family watches a newscast about all the madness and they call it unexplained accidents. Uh, that news reporter, John, was Tom Bergeron. Oh, wow. Uh, from Dancing with the Stars, Hollywood Squares, America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he was uh, he was that kind of little cameo there. Um, and then that old grandfather out of nowhere just kind of shows up at the house. He comes to take back Gizmo. And at first I was like, okay, no, I, I, Gizmo's gonna, gonna say, gonna stay with with Billy here for sure. That's what's definitely gonna happen. Because um, I, you know, the second movie, they're back right. together. But no, he Gizmo even says bye, Billy. And then the grandfather leaves. Right. And he's got him with him. I'm like, oh wait, what the fuck? <laughs> so. He takes him with him because, you know, but he does say, oh, maybe when you're more ready, you can get him back. Right. So, all right. But as he leaves, we get a little narration from the father. Well, that's the story. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz or your washing machine blows up or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds. Because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. And then we end with that gremlin theme that you mentioned before comes back to as credits roll. So, all right, that is the end of Gremlins. Um, John, I want you to start this time. Sure. Sounds like it was a family affair. Yes, uh, we all watched it. Um, I really couldn't tell what my kids thought of it. Yeah. Um, I think they thought probably what I thought at, when I was a kid was actually, it might've been a little slow for them. Mm, okay. Um, your kid, and you're at least your daughter. I think your son though, too, like stranger things. They like horror. Yeah. Well, my daughter for sure. 
Okay. Um, and actually, before we were, when I said we were going to have to watch this, my, my wife was like, okay, I think our daughter's going to like the first one, but our son will like the second one better. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't know. I don't really not sure how my daughter felt. I honestly think she'll like the second one better. Um, okay. I'll be honest. I still think I like the second one better. It mm. was fine. I kind of remember why I didn't watch this one as much as I watched the second one. It's some, you know, it's you, it's a good way to est- establish the the lore of the Gremlins or whatever you need to to yeah. establish it. And there's some fun stuff, but I think like because they're so kooky, the kookiness of the second movie really helps amplify how silly it gets. And I I think. I just think I enjoy that one better. Of course, I'm saying this without having seen the second one. Sure. Uh, for you know, for a while, so we'll have to see. And I know we're, I'm probably gonna have to watch it soon because I think uh, my wife was like, "Well, now we watch that one, we have to watch the second one, yeah. and show it to our kids." But uh, um, it's it's still fine. It's uh, it's it's got its its fun little moments. Ultimately, though, I don't think I'm really gonna go back and watch it again. Sure. I landed very similar to you. Yeah, the movie is cute. It's got some cute parts. I appreciate the mix of comedy, horror, and all kind of set in Christmas. Um, I love the look of the puppets. The look of the gremlins, I think Mm -hmm. even particularly, the gremlins look fantastic. Yeah. And that works pretty well. Overall, the movie this time came across more kind of cheesy in the bad way and not cheesy in the good way. And I agree with you. In my head, I remember Gremlins 2 steering into the cheese the right way. Yeah. You know, and, and I think I'm for some reason I have, the, I have the same mentality where I'm like I'm pretty sure I like that one better even now. Um, so I do think though the franchise has potential, and I think it honestly could use a reboot. Yeah. And so like this is one that I would say, hey, you know what? And the puppets are cool, and you know what? I'd be okay with puppets, but I'd also would be okay with CG that moves a little bit better, that you mm-hmm. can kind of see some more shit happening. Well, and now's you know, the right time because. Not only do we have really, you know, much better computer technology, puppets in itself has made a comeback uh-huh. with Baby Yoda, um, with yeah. the uh, um, the Dark Crystal one where they used a mix of of uh, CGI and puppetry. Yeah. Like now's the time to really get into that because I guarantee you, there's going to be a um, a, a, a prop house out there that would love a yes. chance at building the. You know, building the uh, the gremlins again and bringing that to life and using CGI to amplify yes the puppets exactly when you need them to do some crazy stuff where you see like full body and stuff like that absolutely use it but then when you're up close when you hit like the certain stuff that his puppets it still looks it still looks good make sure that the movement looks great and then yeah I agree absolutely that would be fantastic so I'm excited about our casting I am too. All right, now we are going to talk Bobby's World, uh, which actually originally was known as The World According to Bobby. It ran from 1990 to 1998. Seven seasons, 81 episodes aired on Fox Kids. Wow, I didn't Uh, realize it ran that long. I forgot that too. When I saw those dates, I was like, no way. No way it ran that long. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, but they were like uh, shorter seasons. Every season was about like 10 to 13 episodes, something like that. It was created by Howie Mandel, as I mentioned, and let's go over the cast. Uh, Bobby Generic, not generic, generic <laughs> is how it's pronounced, uh, and also the dad, uh, Howard, were voiced by Howie Mandel. Uh, Martha, the mother, was voiced by Gail Mathias. 
She was in Airplane 2. She did a voice on the Snorks, Tiny Toons, and she was also on SNL for a year. Oh. Um, during the 1980-81 season, which I think was uh, one was, of the worst. Yeah, that was the one where, um, what's his name, left, and uh, like all the whole cast left. Uh, yeah, was that Bill Murray? No, I was... I, oh, no, or was that... The producer is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, 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 Lorne Michaels. Lorne Michaels, yeah, I think it was when Lorne Michaels yeah. left. All the rest of the guys left, too, and so they... A, yeah. a different producer took over, and yeah, those two years. That was probably one of the years that um, RDJ was also in, I okay. think so. It was, I it was like... I don't. I don't know who's RDJ. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, oh Robert Downey Jr. R RJD. RJD. Oh, no, RDJ. RDJ. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, he is. Those, there's a couple of those people who I forget are in. Like, uh, um, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus was in it for like one season, like right. in the mid '80s. Yeah, it was probably right around that stuff. You know, they they even, they, had, they also had like yeah, in like the later '80s, they tried to revamp it as well, where they had like um, Michael uh, McKeon. But he was good on it. I like yeah, him on it. He so. was good. It doesn't matter. Anyway, but he was also already a name because he had uh, Spinal Tap and things like that. Right. So, all right. Nevertheless, it's not Saturday Night Live. We're talking <laughs> Bobby's World. Um, which Martha the Mother actually the voice that she did very Midwestern voice. Oh, oh don't you oh, know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that voice was based on a, one of her characters, or recurring character she had on SNL. Oh, okay, is what she said. Uh, Uncle Ted was voiced by Tino Insana. Uh, he has done some voices on the show Darkwing Duck, Pepper Ann, Bubble Guppies recently, and he voiced Barf in a Spaceballs cartoon from 2008-2009, which I thought was fitting because like this character of Ted is <laughs> obviously set on John Candy. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it had a look of John Candy. It sounded almost exactly like John Candy. Um, so I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, the sister Kelly was voiced by Charity James. Uh, you might recognize her voice as Elaine Marley um, on Escape from Monkey Island. Ah, okay. And then also she voiced the female Revan. So at the beginning, if you choose a female instead of... I usually play it as a male because I'm a male. Right. Um, but if you chose a female character in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, she voiced the female version of Revan. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the brother Derek at first was voiced by Kevin Smets. Uh, he had a very, very small role in the movie Newsies. He eventually became an editor, and I saw he had done some work in, um, like, mostly reality show kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and then Pamela Adlon took over for the last two years of the show's run. She was uh, Spinelli on the show Recess, uh, much more famously for me, Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Oh. Uh, she was on the show Californication and Louie as well recently. So she's done both acting and voice work. So. Cool. And then lots of other great voice actors appeared on this show. Uh, of course, Frank Welker appeared on this show as well. Frank Welker actually played, sorry, the dog. Uh, Roger <laughs> the dog was voiced by Frank. Frank Welker is great at the dog voices. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but other iconic voice actors, creative voice actors, Debbie Derryberry, Gary Owens, Pat Fraley, Rob Paulson, Edie McClurg, Candy Milo, Maurice LaMarche, Dan Castellaneta, Jim Cummings, Polly Shore, and many, many more had lent their voice to this show one way, one uh, time or another. So what do you remember about Bobby's World? Was this a show that you watched? I think it was. I don't think it was a show I watched regularly, uh, but I think it was a show that I watched when it was on, probably definitely in the earlier years, so 90, mm -hmm. 91, maybe 92, uh, probably not past that. I, you know, I think it was just one where I was like, ah, it's good enough to watch. Yeah. So I watched it. Like I, I didn't 
you know, seek it out or anything like that. I, but I did enjoy it, I remember. Sure. Um, I was pretty similarly, especially, yeah, kind of like earlier in that time, probably from when I was like six, seven, eight, those years. I was going to say, it was probably targeted more to you at that time. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I did watch it. I wouldn't say, I don't know, it might have been, I remember watching it quite a bit, you know, because when it was on, I would go to it. It wasn't like a, oh, this is just after a show I like. Like, I remember choosing Bobby's World and actively enjoying the show. Not one I really specifically remember beats and, and, and you know, storylines. Well, because there's not really enough storylines to really remember on the show. Mm-hmm. But this is one that I actively watched and actively enjoyed. So, um, one interesting thing on the show, usually at the beginning and the end, Howie Mandel would appear as himself. Um, like, you know, against a green screen or whatnot. Uh, kind of talking to Bobby, um, either talking about different lessons or mm-hmm. just like, you know, advice or other little things. So he would kind of interact in there. Uh, but the show itself was all about this kid, Bobby, and his overactive imagination. And, you know, kind of see what he's thinking, um, kind of going how as he goes through life and how he sees things as a kid. So Afeto is very relatable mm-hmm. um, where maybe a kid would hear something and then Bobby would be like, take it very literally. And you'd see in his head what he's thinking about. Reminded me very much of Muppet Babies, where they kind of do the same thing. You know, they well, they, they play pretend and you see exactly what it is, is in their imagination. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and there was a lot of just relatable stuff for kids, you know, like he was scared of uh, seeing his Aunt Ruth because she squeezed his cheeks too hard or, <laughs> you know, other little, a lot of uh, scared of jumping off the diving board on a later episode that I saw, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, again, yeah, that imagination stuff, uh, very similar to the stuff in Scrubs, you know, and another kind of way it was used where it could be used where, you know, oh, JD hears something is like, oh, what would that look like? And then you see it in his head. And so, yeah, we got that quite a bit. Lots of pop culture references, um, you know, especially in those little like dream sequences and his imagination stuff. I saw references to Die Hard, Mission Impossible, amongst a lot of other things um, when I was watching. And I think that would help the older audience. I wouldn't say it really helped me (laughs) watching it this time, but it could help. Uh, A couple. Another thing I really remember about the show was uh, he carried around his uh, little stuffed spider called Webley a Mm -hmm. lot. Yeah, it's kind of cute. And he has this fun uncle, Ted, who's always down for whatever. He loves to give him noogies. <laughs> and he's just kind of the fun big uncle. Uh, now, one thing that I very much like about the show is its theme song. So it's an instrumental theme song, but I think it works perfectly. It's cute. It's quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just, uh, you know, as, as it does the opening kind of um, visuals with it, I thought the theme song was about perfect. Yeah, it, show. it works. It works mm-hmm. well, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the writer of that theme song is John Tesh. Aha. So <laughs> John Tesh is a musician, also well known for he hosted uh, Entertainment Tonight for a long time. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, so I enjoyed that. And that's all I've got to say about Bobby's World before my final thoughts. There are no storylines there, you know, that are that that thread through that are worth talking about. There's very little extra stuff to discuss mm-hmm. other than Bobby. Usually, you know, he's going through his regular life. He's got his active imagination. Maybe he learns a lesson. Move on to the next episode. 
rinse, repeat. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I'll, I don't have anything to add beyond that. Yeah, and and the good thing about this show, I think it's very much a harmless, cute show for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing bad with it. There's nothing that I actively disliked, but it's meant for kids, and it's not really good for adults. You grow past it. it mm-hmm. I don't really. You know, it's fine. It's and it's very fine for what it is. Um, and I think you know, if a kid, I think you know, if a kid got into it, good for them. But as for a show, what would I want to rewatch as an adult? No, I would not want to, you know, rewatch it at all. And I, I don't think I, I remember people. And this is a show that I think a lot of people are the same with us. They're nostalgic for it in that, like, hey, that was a cute show. Mm-hmm. But there are no, or at least I don't know, any diehard fans. Right. Like, you know, heck, the show Rugrats or Doug or um, a whole bunch of other stuff have diehard fans. Bobby's World, good show for its time. Mm-hmm. It's not a diehard fan kind of show. Yeah. I think if um, if my kids had or did, I think they're past the point now that they would really get into the show. Yeah. But if they had gotten into the show, it's probably one where... I could sit down with them and watch for like an episode or two, and then I'd have to get up and walk away and do something else yeah. uh, if they kept yeah. watching or something like that. Um, yeah. My opinion of it, my final thoughts are pretty much mirror what you said. I At the end of it, I'm like, it was cute. It was mm-hmm. it was fun. There was nothing I thought was you know overly annoying or anything like that. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. It just wasn't for yeah. me in my in, at this point point in time and um i you know the this nostalgia of the the theme song and you know the voice and all the other stuff mm-hmm. like it was good but like not something that i'm uh keen to go back on or go back yeah, and watch I, again you you know i didn't really mention the voice and the voice was was kind of you know nostalgic thinking about howie mandel doing that one by the second episode i watched two episodes by the second episode <laughs> it was just it was kind of high pitched and grinding into right. my head that I was like, I'm done hearing that high voice. <laughs> so, but you know what? For people out there, parents who, um, you know, might have been nostalgic for this one, it's worth a shot for your kid. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't think you're going to dig it either, personally. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... So I say to the waitress, I say, you know, give me what everybody else is drinking. Yeah, I figure it's spring water, clear, bubbles. But you give me this two-calorie quest, and then whammo, whammo, whammo! I get this blast of fruit flavor. I'm talking tidal wave. I'm talking tidal wave of flavor. This is my tongue. It's surfing, hanging one on fruit flavor. Are you listening? I say, hey, this two-calorie quest is not water. And she says, no. Like, I'm supposed to know that this isn't just some boring water. (laughs) Wait, and then she says, I have the same suit. So she says, would you like me to take away your two-calorie quest and bring you a water? Why? What are you, nuts? (laughs) When I can have quest's amazing taste. Are you busy right now? Stroke. (laughs) Stroke. Everybody, conga. Two-calorie quest, amazing taste. All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Gremlins using actors of today. Uh, we've got a small handful of characters we're going to do. We're going to do Billy, Kate. We'll do the father, Randall Randall Peltzer. 
the grandfather, even though he only appears kind of at the beginning and the end, he's still kind of a key figure. Yeah. So worth doing. Uh, Mr. Futterman, um, just because he does appear uh, quite a few times. And then Mrs. Deagle, because other than the uh, gremlins, she's the only real sort of antagonist mm-hmm. uh, kind of in there. So we'll do those sure. uh, those characters. Sure. Adam, why don't you start us off with your Mrs. Deagle? All right. Uh, Mrs. Deagle, you need someone. I didn't even make this connection, but maybe I did subconsciously. Uh, you need someone who can play a good villain, and particularly someone who hates dogs. And I picked Cruella Deville herself, Glenn Close. I didn't even think of that. I just realized that's yeah. I thought she'd be like, oh, you can play a good, mean old lady. And so yeah, I went with Glenn Close. Man, you reached for the uh, kind of for the stars with that one. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I know. Um, but you know what? I like Glenn Close is one of those actresses I feel who's not only is she gonna put on these great performances in these films. She's like she's got a fun side and would absolutely do a fun little cameo part in something that she was nostalgic for or you know thought was cute yeah. or something like that. I mean, it very famously she had a, a, a one in Hook. That's what because if Steven Spielberg still like if Amblin owns the rights to Gremlins, then he's got his you know he's got a close tie with her because he also produced he did Hook right and so it's like. You know what? Just bring back Glenn Close. He's got she. She'd be great as like the cameo person in his movies. Oh yeah, and she makes a great you know like uh, uh, mean. I wouldn't say mean old hag, but that's basically <laughs> what Miss Deagle is. Yeah, I also went with a fairly well known actress. Uh, although I think this actress is more well known for or more known for doing sort of character bit parts stuff like this. Mm. Um, but she is older now. I don't see her often doing anything kind of in the mean realm like Miss Deagle was, but she's funny and I think having letting her loose on something like this would be just kind of a, a fun not for change, but just a, a you know, a fun addition to her portfolio, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. I went with Catherine O'Hara. Oh yeah. I like that. I mean and if you're kinda keeping a good bit of the comedy aspect in this film um, Catherine O'Hara nails that on the head. Yeah, and you're gonna need somebody who understands the comedy of it. And even if she's got to play like the the mean straight mm-hmm. woman in this, oh yeah, then she's gonna she's gonna know how to do it and and yep. how to elevate everything around her. Yep, absolutely, great call. All right, Mister Futterman, uh, the uh, neighbor who uh, you know complains about the gremlins. There's a lot of character actors who you could use for mm-hmm. this one um so i went with a guy who you know it's fun it's every time i i do this i'm like well he doesn't look old enough and honestly he's probably older now than the guy who played mr Funman was uh-huh. at that time actors just take better care of themselves they just look younger i do but also you know there's makeup and everything like that but i think he's a great character actor and would be fun to have you know just as kind of like the i don't know not not uh, cranky, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, kooky neighbor. Yeah, uh, I went with Gary Cole. Oh yes, oh yes, Office Space. Yep. Um, Bill Lumberg. He does great character actor stuff. Yeah, he's been doing a. I I mean, I haven't watched it. I have actually watched the series in in quite a while. But he's he's had a regular stint on. Uh, NCIS. So I went and just kind of looked up uh-huh. like what he looks like right now, and yeah. you know, I mean, he, he he looks he looks fine and professional, but mm-hmm. you know, let him kind of you know do the makeup up a little bit different, something like that. Sure, he's a, he's a funny actor. He's great character yeah. actor. I think something like this would work well with him. Absolutely. 
All right. Absolutely. All right. Your pick. Uh, I uh, looked through kind of some other really good or thought of some other really good uh, actors who do kind of character work. Um, great side stuff. Uh, this actor, ha- I've seen him do really good kind of comedy side stuff. Some good drama side stuff. Some good, maybe not necessarily horror, but yeah, there's aspects of that. Um, he can play, I think he can play kooky. I think, I know he can play kooky. He nails kooky on the head. Um, and also I could bet he could dive into the conspiracy theory stuff really well. Mm. I went with Steve Buscemi as my Mr. <laughs> Futterman. I like that. I like that a lot. That, 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 uh, that's a, not necessarily typecasting, but definitely mm-hmm. I could see him easing into that kind of role yeah. without a problem. Yep. Also another great character actor. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, grandfather. I'm interested to hear who you went with. Uh, you'd be surprised to hear the very first name I wrote down um, that I still think would probably do pretty good. Now, he would need to tone things down for me, and they'd put makeup on him to make him look old. But I thought Ken Jong would be good. I didn't go with him. Okay. I didn't go with him. But I honestly, I still don't, I don't dislike that call. Um, but ultimately, I went with, you know what? Obviously, James Hong would be a perfect call. You know, he's older. He's done wacky stuff like this. Uh, you know, if you say low pan, well, mm-hmm. this guy actually, this the grandfather's not wacky at all. No. Um, he looks unique, but he's not wacky. Um, I went with another older, great, I think he's Japanese. And we both love him. Um, and grandfather has some serious qualities, and this actor can absolutely play serious stuff, and he'll need, uh, you know, throw on some eye, whatever, mm-hmm. color miscoloration and some other long stuff. I went with Kerry Tagawa. Okay. Oh, uh, Shang Tsung and Mortal yeah. Kombat. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yep. That's not, cool. not expecting too much hatred on that. One, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. You know, it took me a second to, to match it because when, uh, okay, because uh, I immediately, I, I honestly thought you were for a second. I thought you were going to say Ken Watanabe. And so oh, that's gotcha. where my brain went. And then you said Kerry Tagawa and I'm like, uh-huh. I know the name. Why am I not piecing mm-hmm. it together? And then you. Mm-hmm said Shang Tsung and all that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, great actor. Adam, I didn't stretch too far down that well. I did go with James Hong. And that's a great call. And I know he most of what he's been doing lately has been animated. Uh-huh. Um, I believe he's in his 90s at this yeah, point. But he's still working. He's still working. And you know what? There's not too much to this part. If, 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 he's, if, he, if you've got mobility issues, yeah. put him in a chair or something like that. James Hong mm-hmm. is is a is, is a great actor and and I you know if we need to make accommodations for him, I don't think yeah. it's going to deter from the character at all. Absolutely love that call. I did consider him, and I love that. Yeah, you know, go back. Anybody out there, if you guys have not literally just open up James Hong's IMDb, it's insane mm-hmm. everything he's been in. <laughs> I'm uh, let's see here. I'm looking at it. Four hundred and fifty four <laughs> credits as an actor. Yeah, and they go back. A long time ago. Oh, and he's sure. been in so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised that you said Ken Ken Jong because uh, you you've really kind of poo pooed him any any time I've I've used him for something. Well, yes, but this one I don't want to remove the comedy aspect, and Ken mm-hmm. Jong can do comedy. Where I where <laughs> I dislike him is when he goes too far. Okay. You know, and he does that a lot. But I think if you rein him back. And let him, you know, do some, you know, have some makeup on. But I think I think the problem was, you know, even if I, if we used him, I feel like it, this sounds weird. I feel like he would be too stereotypical, you know, almost racisty kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. 
But I mean, I don't think I, you know. I think he could do not that absolutely. Right. So so yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't dislike it, but I I, I will say I like James Hong better. Okay. I like Terry Carrie Tagawa better. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, Randall Peltzer, the father, um, which it 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 honestly didn't dawn on me until um, a little bit ago that this is also going to be the guy. If if you're if you're doing a one to one of it, is the guy who also is narrating. Yeah. And I think I, I honestly I don't know that I picked a great actor for that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we're doing a new one, that doesn't necessarily have to be the thing. Honestly, if I had James Hong. I'd have Hong narrate it, and ah, I like and that. have and kind of get it from his perspective. That 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 does make a lot of sense, actually. You know, yeah. So these people, yeah, that's good. Uh, so I went with an actor who is mostly known for one movie, uh, and he's mostly known for being in that movie when he was a child. Okay. Um, I have seen him in some uh, more recent movies. He's popped up in a couple of things. He popped up in the MCU a couple times. And he recently, and by recently, I mean just this year, uh, released a, a sequel to the movie that he's most famous for being on as a kid. <laughs> Peter Billingsley? I went with Peter Billingsley. Oh, interesting. You know, I haven't seen A Christmas Story Christmas yet. And so I don't know how he is as an actor as he's older. I think that's very interesting. He, um, you might remember, so he was in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. He was the scientist that got oh. that got slighted by Tony Stark. Okay. Uh, who created... Oh, who helped start that who group? Helps, yeah, who started the group. Okay, yeah, that, 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 um, Jake, that Jake Gyllenhaal's guy was yes. part of. He right? was also in, I believe the very first Iron Man movie. Um, and he was the one who, when like Obadiah Stane was like, Tony Stark built this in a cave. And he's like, we're not uh-huh. Tony Stark. That was also Peter Billingsley. And so he's playing the same character. He's playing the same character. Playing. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I was like that they brought him back. They could, they could, okay. you know, a small character bring him back for that. So I just thought it would be a fun thing to throw in there. He seemed to be, I mean, he's much older now, so. Yeah. All right, who did you go with? Uh, I like, yeah. Uh, my actor is uh, 20 years older than Peter Billingsley. But, of course, you know, I don't know if he need to young up mine a little bit. He is another one of the all-time awesome character actors. And when I thought of kind of like, ah, who could play a kooky inventor? And kind of, again, some more kind of, well, he's not all that kooky. Well, he's kooky enough, I right. guess. I thought he would work just fine. I went with Steven Root. So office, also office space. Yep. Uh, as your Gary Cole, but um, but yeah, he. I mean, we. I've used him multiple times, and I don't know. It's hard not to because I, I do. I like him in damn near everything. Yeah, and he he's a he's an absolutely fine call for something like okay. this. Okay. Absolutely fine call. Nothing, you know. It's it's hard to it's hard to say no to Steven Root. Yeah. Especially if it's just kind of like a character piece like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's done everything from news radio, which I love him in news radio. He was really it's good hilarious. in that show, yeah. And then he's played more kooky characters like Office Space, Milton, right? In that one, of and, course. Um, he's he's pretty good, really good in Barry. Highly recommend Barry if you haven't seen that at all. Have not. I've heard nothing but good things though. Ah, uh, yeah. I I mean, definitely. It started from the from the top. I think um, 
See, I really loved season two. Well, season one and two are fantastic. Season three is still good. Um, but yeah, highly recommend that show. Okay. Uh, all right, let's go on to Kate. Who did you pick for Kate? All right, so I kind of had, I couldn't tell exactly how old these characters were. I think they were like late 20s, early 30s, probably more late 20s or maybe mid 20s. Kind of hard to tell, uh, but I kind of stuck to that. I stuck kind of early 30s to, I guess, yeah, late 20s. They could probably play late 20s just fine. So you need someone who can have, I guess, some kind of girl next door look to her. Also, absolutely stunning, similar to uh, Phoebe Cates. She did play a girl next door, but in a weird-ish movie, The Joker. Um, but she's also very attractive in Deadpool 2 as Domino and Atlanta. I've used her a couple times. I hadn't used her in a hot minute, though. Uh, so I wanted Zazie Beetz as my Kate. Okay. Uh, yeah. Interesting call. How old is Zazie Beetz now? Uh, she is 31, I think. Okay. I mean... Yeah, thirty-one. She, I, I mean, I'm certain she could play like you know late twenties just fine. Right. Although I'm pretty, sh- think, I'm pretty sure in in the case of this, those those guys were like in their early twenties. Could be, could be, well, but like you know what? I can tell you, I got a lot of friends in their early thirties that are also struggling <laughs> early in their careers. Yeah, it's um, it is different times. So it, it yeah. absolutely because I remember it, Judge Reinhold says in the thing he goes, "I'm twenty-three. Oh, I missed that. And so and so that's also indicating that Zach is younger. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and I just feel, yeah, I, I don't think, I think it's a different time now yeah. where uh, it's tough. It's tough getting the really good jobs. <laughs> I, I, and so if, if you're a junior vice president at like 32, that's freaking killer. Yeah. Right. Now. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, I love Zazzy beats. No okay. issues at all with that. Uh, I, I actually did. You still, you still haven't seen Joker, right? No. And I probably will never see it. <laughs> I know you say that every time. You're right. I'm just hoping. I know it's so good. I'm sure it is. My my, I, I have my own reasons for why I don't want to see that. Cause your Joker is Jack Nicholson, man. No, you don't want anybody else to play Joker. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has okay. it, it has to do with my feelings of of why they even made the movie in the first place. Okay. All right. So I went with an actress who you've probably uh, never seen because I don't think you have yet watched the show Wednesday. I have not. I we just finished it. Actually, we finished this and went. We finished Wednesday and went straight into watching Gremlins, so okay. that was that was most of our, our afternoon yesterday. Um, and I really liked this actress. Uh, she plays a character that's a lot more bubbly uh, in the show than I think a Kate would need to be. Um, so it's not the Wednesday actress. It's not. Sure. It's not uh, Jenna Ortega. <laughs> she was fantastic. Loved her in, okay. in that. She was a fantastic Wednesday. I'm gonna have to watch that. Uh, but I did go with. Her roommate in the show, uh, whose name is Emma Myers, uh, she is twenty, so she is a little bit younger. But as as I said, I'm kind of skewing my people closer to the age of the actual original movie. Yes. So I think I would have her as twenty one because she's a bartender. But also, I can't remember when did they change the age to twenty one. Did that happen in the in the seventies or in the early eighties? Uh, I think it was the seventies. I remember Dad talking about that actually a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I think it was the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she's twenty, okay. so I could just say she's twenty-one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, unless you've okay. seen that, you probably don't know because I don't know anything else she's been in. But she really impressed me in uh, in Wednesday. Okay. Okay. I I need to watch it. Uh, that's that's my takeaway. Uh. All right. 
Billy, right? Yeah, Billy. Um, so this one, I kind of had a tough time going with. I I didn't want to use kids, kind of young guys I'd used before, but they're all mm-hmm. getting to about that right age. You know, all the Stranger Things crew. Um, I I had <laughs> yeah. I had just I had just used Emma Wire, so I didn't want to use anyone else from Wednesday. So I inevitably went back to the Stranger Things well, and uh, <laughs> cast Finn Wolfhard. Ah, uh, okay. Because I think I I I think Noah Noah Schnapp is still too young looking. He does look he, very, especially young. when he got his like his boyish haircut, and I think Finn Wolfhard would be a, a little bit easier sell as the sure. star of this movie. I guess. I, I think he needs to eat some cheeseburgers. He's so gangly looking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm an asshole for saying that, but he <laughs> looks very gangly. At least he did it in this last season. Last season, very gangly. Mm-hmm. I like your reasoning uh, because Stranger Things makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, there is horror and there's comedy aspects in that both, and they right. and they works well. You know, and drama. Um, that's why I immediately thought of Stranger Things. But I am a little bit older, so I went with a little older character, uh, a guy who you learn you hate him at first, and then you love him to death. Um, you know, by like season two and his um, his relationship with uh, with Gatton's uh, Gatton's character. And you just you, you want him to win. You absolutely want him to win. And I think he could kind of he could be this character as well in this comedy horror. I went with Steve in Stranger Things played by Joe Keery. Joe Keery is going to be my. Baby. That's a good call, too. I like him. I okay. liked him in, in Free Guy, which was nice to see him mm. out of the Stranger Things uh, element. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen an, enough of Stranger Things now to know the character well enough, and I agree. You, you don't like he's an asshole in season one. Yeah, you start to love him in season two, and then he's a he's a regular, you yeah. know, a regular person that. Yeah, then, yeah, exactly. And then he becomes a favorite. Honestly, right. <laughs> like you hate him, you love him, and then he's like, "Damn, you're one of my favorites." Yeah. So absolutely good call on that one. So, uh, thank you, sir. All right. Well, that was our casting of Gremlins using actors of today. Please join us next time for another Christmas-themed episode. John and I go over our top 10 favorite Christmas movies. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.